0: listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. Following the release of Governor Kathy Hochul's 2023 executive budget proposal, the NYSAC legislative team began analyzing the legislation and searching for new appropriations and programs, as well as any new regulations or mandates. In this episode, our legislative team breaks down the top takeaways for county leaders from the budget proposal. For all NYSAC analysis and reports, make sure to visit our website at nysacorg slash nysbudget.
1: Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ryan Gregoire. I'm your association's legislative director. I'm joined by Pat Cummings, NYSAC counsel, and Dave Lucas, NYSAC's director of finance and intergovernmental affairs. We're together today to talk about the uh, the governor's recent state fiscal year 2023 executive budget impact report. And we're bringing to you the county perspective of her budget. We're talking about items, both positive and negative, that impact counties and what we should be advocating for and looking for as this budget moves through the process to a final enacted budget sometime in early April. To set the stage for our listeners today, the governor's budget has a lot of policy and budget implications that are beneficial to counties. There are a couple areas of concern that we have, and we're gonna be working with her, her team, and the state legislature, both uh, Senate Majority Leader Stuart Cousins' team and Speaker Carl Easti's team to address some of the concerns that we have, and also to advocate for the inclusion Of a lot of these good things in the final enacted budget. So, to kick it off, I want to focus on some of the high level, top county priorities that we had on our agenda going into the budget advocacy. The first one being a couple county sales tax diversions. And you've probably heard NISAC talk about this ad nauseum. There's two county sales tax diversions right now on the books that impact your ability to direct locally driven resources for your programs that you wanna implement. There's a diversion for the Aid to Municipalities Program. That's $59.1 million. That's a negative impact on the counties. And there's another diversion of county sales tax to help pay for a distressed hospital facilities pool, which was set up in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic for hospitals that are experiencing financial uh, stress because of that. And that's a $250 million diversion from New York City and the counties outside of New York City. So with that, um, Dave, maybe you can start us off here. What did the governor do with with these two
2: diversion issues? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of good, it's a little bit of bad, but the bad was not unexpected. Um, on the first one that Ryan talked about, the aid program, the 59 million, the governor actually is going to restore the state funding for that. So that diversion will end uh, beginning, I believe in October of 2022. There's probably one more diversion in May um, that'll be taken out, I think to address towns. Uh, but then after that, the state will pick up that responsibility. So that's a $59 million savings for counties where those local resources could be used for local programs. Um, The other program, the Distressed Hospital Fund, was supposed to expire at the end of this state fiscal year. Uh, But we we got a foreshadowing, uh, and we knew from the beginning that just because something sunsets in the financial plan, it's always a point of negotiation when the sunset date comes up. Um, And in the six-month update to the financial plan, you know, in September of last year, they indicated they wanted to make this diversion permanent for the distressed health facilities fund right so to date they've taken out 500 million dollars um but there's been no money dispersed to health facilities yet so going forward they plan on making a 350 million dollar pool with 250 coming from new york city and the counties uh 200 from the city 50 from the other 57 counties and another 100 million from the state so that's what their plan is. That's what the proposal is from the governor's office. Clearly, that is um, a negative. We thought it was going to end. We knew maybe it wouldn't. Uh, now it's on paper that the governor wants to fight for this, um, and the legislature sided with us last year in budget the negotiations. They said this is a state responsibility. We should be doing this. Um, we will have to work with the legislature to correct this uh, going forward. And
0: yeah, and yeah, let me add too. I, I think it's important for. Our members to know that, that nysac is supportive of, of these programs. We understand why the funding needs to go to the hospitals clearly with, with what happened with COVID, what was what highlights that. Uh, we understand the, the the fiscal support that needs to go to our towns and cities through AIM. It's the it's it's the fact that it's coming through being paid for through county sales tax is is what we're objecting to and what we want to see change and what we did see change to with the AIM program. And why does that matter? It matters because if we can keep our county local dollars local, you have much more flexibility on what you can do. You can make sure that your services are done properly. Uh, you can lower your county sales tax if, if, if that's what your residents need. Um, you can actually have flexibility in programs like supporting veteran programs and Meals on Wheels, things like that. So that's that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about making sure that AIM funding's not even at those levels even higher, but we're looking for that to come from the state, not, not from your county tax dollars.
1: Yeah, and, and just to reiterate for our members who are listening to this, you know, we're, we're going to have more material and we're going to be asking you to help us advocate to the state to fix this distressed hospital County sales tax diversion. But, you know, just to reiterate what both Pat and Dave have said here, it's um, these are programs that used to be paid for by the state of New York. In the last couple of years, under the prior administration, they diverted your sales tax money to pay for these programs. We're simply saying to the state, take it back on your program so we can respond with whatever need is necessary at the local level. Maybe you need to make investments in your parks, right? Maybe maybe you're attracting a lot of visitors to your community now, and they're coming to a specific asset that you have that you own. Maybe you wanna make investments there. To Pat's point, maybe you wanna make uh, investments in Meals on Wheels because you're seeing a waitlist growing. Maybe there's a waitlist in your child care um, in your community, and maybe you need to be providing more daycare. Whatever the issue may be, your county sales tax dollars that you have uh, raised should be kept at the local level for what you need to do. And that's a message that we're going to be taking to the state of New York. Allow the counties to keep our revenue locally so we can respond to what we need to be doing. So those are those uh, top two issues, I would say. There are a lot of other great things in this budget. Um, as far as top county priorities, we had asked for an increase in Article 6 public health aid for the county governments, Uh, particularly because our county public health workforce has been on the lines fighting COVID-19. And what does that mean? It means our county officials are injecting and inoculating individuals with the COVID-19 vaccine. We're providing and uh, sending out testing kits into the community and to our school districts. We're educating the public on the importance of wearing a mask, socially distancing, staying safe in the community. All of this takes resources. It takes personnel. It takes money to purchase equipment. It takes coordination, both from the local level and with the state of New York, but we need resources to be able to respond to this crisis. And I think one thing we've learned from this is that over the last several years, decade or more, we have underfunded public health and we went to the state of New York, we went to Governor Hochul and said, help us reinvigorate our public health workforce. Help us uh, bolster that county department so we are prepared and ready to respond to the next crisis. And she delivered on that promise. She increased Article 6 aid, Dave, I think it was by about $26 million in this fiscal year. And She uh, is making a commitment in her financial plan to continue that investment in out years, is that correct? Yep,
2: it'll grow, it'll pretty much double uh, in the the next full calendar year, so.
1: So this was a huge win for counties. Um, We are very supportive of the inclusion of this funding in the executive budget. We're gonna be going to the legislature to say, make sure that this stays in, continue this investment, Um, show the county public workers Public health workers that you understand the importance of their job. There was another item in here, Dave, that we have been asking for for years. And it relates to the permanency of our existing sales tax rates. So, right now, historically, counties have to come back to the legislature and beg for reauthorization of your local county sales tax rates, whatever it may be. Some counties are at uh, 4%, some are a little higher depending on if they have to pay for um, specific one-off kind of programming. Uh, think of transit, and for example, down in the MTA zone. There's a proposal that the governor has included that would allow counties to go up to 4% or uh, lock in their existing rate permanently. So if you're a county below 4%, this authorization would allow you at local option you would have to pass and go through the typical process and pack and talk about that a little bit what that looks like at the local level but it would allow you to go up to four percent and without needing to go and ask the state for approval and it locks your existing rate into permanency this is really important dave for counties specifically uh, when you start thinking about trying to budget for the following year it's nice to have a little bit of certainty as to what resources you're going to be uh, receiving. So do you have anything else you want to add on that? Dave? Yeah,
2: I think a little bit is these are usually um, approved at the state legislature, but it's, it's always done in the last week of session. It's very yes. hectic, yep. um, and it's held over some counties' heads that, you know, if you don't do certain things, we might not be able to approve this. Um, so it does cause um, some uncertainty in, in the budgeting process but I think even the, the governor's uh, budget director acknowledged that you know these usually do go through um, it takes up a lot of floor time it's a lot of duplication of effort we have to pass local resolutions and things and home rule messages to go back and forth it's just a lot of paperwork for something that usually gets done anyhow right um, and on the uncertainty side you know from a credit rate, it, Credit rating agency perspective, knowing that that's locked in, is going to is going to be helpful for counties when they go through that, that process as well. So it's something that's long overdue. Uh, it's been proposed by the prior governor, or this governor. Um, we've had some issues in the legislature. The Senate's been supportive. The Assembly has been less supportive, yeah. um, and that's where we're going to need to work on it uh, going forward with the legislature. It's a good poll good proposal.
0: Yeah, it just real quick, too, just for uh, especially our newer members, just some more basics on, on why this is important. Um, to tag on what Ryan was saying in the background, what you're talking about under the current law, every county gets three cents on a dollar automatically uh, for sales tax. And right. Sales tax is one of your biggest revenue, if not your biggest revenue, drivers for, for each county. Um, now, if you want to, most, most counties, uh, if you want to go over that three cents to let's say four cents. Every two years, you need to come back to the legislature and ask for that, and, uh, and and for that to continue to be extended, we call we usually call that a home rule request. So you're going to need to first pass at your local level that you're you're asking for this, and then that gets brought up to the legislature, and and it usually, as a matter of course, once it happens, uh, that sales tax does get continued, but it's again not a certainty, and so so it's this is going to just make that three cent guarantee be a four cent guarantee. That does not mean that uh, for those counties that are, there are some that are over four cents, you'd still have to come back to the legislature and ask for a big four and a half percent, let's say, every two years, but that's, so this is an important thing to, to that we lock that in. Yeah, th- this
1: is not a new tax. Um, you're, you're locking in your existing rate or allowing a county to go to four percent. That's really what this is all about. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit, Dave, there's been um, a lot of engagement from NISAC over the years, decades, on the Medicaid program. And I, it, it was nice to see that the governor included in her budget continuing uh, the cap on Medicaid growth for counties. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about what what the Medicaid cap is for counties and how important this is to make sure that this continues every year?
2: Yes, I mean prior to this these caps going into existence, uh, the first cap was implemented in the early two thousands under Governor Pataki. And prior to that, counties paid a percentage of the total Medicaid cost of the program. Regardless of how big the cost grew, we paid X percent of that program. So what they did back in the early two thousands is they capped and said, Okay, going forward you're Budget can increase your Medicaid budget can increase by more than three percent a year. Period. That's it. it. Locked in at a set dollar amount going forward. And then under Governor Cuomo, when the property tax cap came into place, he realized, well, that increase is bigger than your allowable tax cap growth, so we have to cap your growth to zero percent. It won't increase above this point at all going forward. So that saves hundreds of millions of dollars annually for the counties in the budget, and it builds every year because we would have been going up every year. So, we're at a point now where in this budget, the state's picked up about $5 billion in what would have been local costs going all the way back to the first uh, Medicaid cap. So, it's hugely important for local taxpayers
1: and county budgets. And I just want to emphasize that last point. Yes, the state is picking up $5 billion, $5.5 billion in uh, Medicaid growth costs for counties but we don't have control over what that program looks like, right? And eligibility for the Medicaid program is set by the state of New York. We don't really have a whole lot of oversight on the Medicaid uh, program as far as waste, fraud, and abuse goes. So it's a very important program. We're we're very pleased that the state continues that growth. We don't have control over it. So frankly, it should be on them to to cap it. So we're appreciative of that. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the other policy areas, getting away from our top priorities, but getting into some details in in your various uh, departments at the county level. There is a program that Governor Hochul has proposed, it's called Connect All. And you can think of this as a new wave of investment for broadband and cellular. This is a huge uh, initiative that she's proposed. She's looking at about a billion dollars in both public and private investment to expand broadband to rural and urban areas that are either underserved or not served at all by service coverage. This is uh, a proposal that NISAC has been pushing for for many years now. We are so happy to see this included, but perhaps um, in tandem, one item within the Connect All program that's just as important is the uh, adjustment to the DOT right-of-way fee that's assessed on broadband providers. Right now, if you have a company that wants to go in and build fiber down the road, they have to pay a a pretty onerous fee to the state of New York to do that, to work in their right-of-way, off the the shoulder of the roadway. Within the governor's budget, she amends that provision to waive that fee for projects that uh, come under this Connect All program. That's good news for counties. It should help get broadband out there. Um, Pat, I know you have talked to county officials uh, both in Western and Adirondack Intercounty about this issue for many years. Yep. Uh, This is something that's been supported by those groups as well.
0: It's a huge issue. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, COVID highlighted a lot of different things of what needs to be a priority. Um, And and it was never more clear, uh, especially in, in um, our areas such as the Adirondacks and western uh, uh, counties, when, we were, when we we're trying to perform government services, and and their residents and even our, even some of our legislators, they did not have the, the best access to broadband, and they needed it. Um, and so, so this is a this is a correction that is uh, happening, and 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 we're going to get federal support, state support, and this is the time. And I, I think. Um, it, the the importance was shown, and, and we're going to keep following through with this. And I think this is the year for it. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it absolutely is. Uh, I want to talk for a minute here on environmental priorities and the county perspective as to what's included in the governor's budget. There's really four areas that we are supportive of um, here as as the global county community. The governor is proposing an increase of a billion dollars to the Environmental Bond Act. That's going to be on the ballot for voters to consider next year uh, in November. Actually, I'm sorry, this year in November. Um, if approved by the voters, and if this billion dollars is added to the Bond Act proposal, that should help direct more resources to counties to help with uh, climate resiliency, mitigating future environmental and uh you know, natural disaster issues, making investments in green technology. So uh, keep an eye on that. We'll have to see what happens uh, within the budget, but also at the ballot box in November. There's a couple other areas here. Um, the governor is proposing to extend producer responsibility for packaging and paper products and reducing toxins like PFAS in packaging um, by 2024. So those are areas that NISAC has been engaged on. Um, our uh, committees at NISAC have passed resolutions on those issues. Those are included in the governor's budget. On general government operations, there's a couple areas here that I wanted to highlight. There is an inclusion of forty-four million dollars in brand new funding to strengthen the state and local cyber response efforts. It's yet to be determined how that money is going to flow to counties but there should be some resources there to help counties respond to cyber attacks, uh, strengthen your cyber infrastructure on the back end. And then there's um, a a great proposal in the governor's budget, something that NISAC and our counties have asked for, which would allow flexibility in the countywide shared services initiative program to allow projects previously proposed um, but not implemented, eligible for state matching grants in the following year. So if you think about this, um, it takes many years sometimes to implement some of these shared service initiatives. They may have been proposed in prior plans, but it may take several years to get them implemented. Especially the bigger ones, right? Especially the large ones. Yeah. So what this proposal does is it just says for those projects that you spent a lot of time <laughs> working on to try and implement, you're now going to be eligible to receive matching grants. It's a good positive development for counties. It's something that will push the legislature to include uh, with the governor in the enacted budget. I wanna pivot to uh, some developments in the gaming sphere. And I'm gonna go to Pat Cummings on this. He works on gaming issues. There's a couple things, Pat. There was a recent announcement uh, by the state of New York with the Seneca Indian Nation. Yep. But then there's also a budget provision that we asked for last year, which has been included again and increased, which um, which is beneficial to several counties, yep. and that's you know $10 million appropriation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't you tell our, our listeners a little bit about what's going on
0: here? So the the, the, the good news uh, um, are, are 16 counties that get, uh, for, uh, well... Funding, funding through the Seneca Nation um, for services uh, through, through slot machines that are played there. Um, that has, uh, I don't know, I need to tell our 16 counties there, uh, they know this uh, well. That, that was being delayed for, for four years, those payments, um, due to a disagreement by the state and the Seneca Nation on, on compact language, uh, contract language between, between the two, uh, between the nation and the state that has been settled uh, just just uh, a couple of weeks ago now uh, they announced a settlement and so the retro pay for those four years and to those to those host counties host cities towns that money will start flowing uh, the full back pay as well as future payment uh, going forward that's included uh, th- that the money is reflected in, in this budget um, that that will start coming uh, shortly to the counties. And that's 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 uh, millions and millions of dollars you're going to be seeing to some of those those 16 counties. Uh, so that's great news. Uh, the the other item that uh, Ryan mentioned is the, the the private casinos the four private casinos um, were eligible by the law to act act for a tax reduction, and so that actually lowered some of the rates that our counties in the um, in the in the private uh, casino regions, we're receiving. The state has increased up to three million. They paid seven million last year. Now they're looking to pay ten million to those local governments that are impacted by the lower tax uh, level that the, the state get got. So hopefully, uh, our our counties that uh, depend on services from the gaming money from those areas are going to get an increase there. So that was that was nice to see a three million dollar increase. There's one other issue that happened in the, uh, in the budget that, that's of note uh, for gaming, and that's the ability for uh, three poten- potential th- uh, three more private casino licenses that could happen anywhere in the state, arguably, but it's really the, the spots that, that it's most likely going to happen are down this down downstate region, uh, Long Island, New York City. Um, by law, this could already occur uh, next year. This would just fast forward this this ability. Uh, by one year for this to happen. Um, we're going to monitor this. We're going to watch this uh, clearly if, if, our, if our downstate counties want this. Um, we're we're going to be supportive of of that process. On, on the other side, we want to be uh, aware of certainly the casinos uh, in upstate and how this is going to impact gaming revenue across the state. And, and if there's an offset to those Counties and communities that that uh, New York City traffic is flowing up to, we're going to need the state to help and step in support for, for those losses in, in those communities. That's a good point, Pat. Thank you. Thank you for that on gaming, Dave.
1: Um, I want to talk a little bit about higher education and community college investments. You know, I think we've all experienced. Um, some really uh, wide swings in enrollment over the last several years, mostly due to the COVID-19 pandemic. What is the governor proposing in her budget for county community colleges?
2: Yeah, but it's been a big issue for a while now. We've seen declining enrollment uh, in community colleges going back almost a decade or longer. Um, That's not unusual when the economy is doing well. So after the Great Recession, the economy built back up. Uh, additional training for the workforce uh, people could get jobs and they got them they don't always think about you know boosting their job skills or doing that so community colleges you could see a decline the problem is the funding we get from the state is based on enrollment uh, quite a bit where they link it to an individual student uh, knowing full well that there's a lot of overhead from a community college once you build sure. the buildings they have to be staffed they have to work you have to have teachers. You don't hire less teachers if you have five less students in a class Um, you still have the same number of teachers so that all has to be paid and when the funding is linked to the student census and it's declining over time when we all know the cost of maintaining everything is going up um, it creates deficits Um, and those deficits in in short get picked up by the student and then the county because the county's responsible for paying one-third of the cost at a minimum that's right So the budget creates a floor, so you're not going to get any less money than you got last year for each campus, which is a huge bonus um, because it, it, it lessens your deficit situation right out of the gate. Yes. We still need more resources. The state has kind of fallen down on its commitment over the years. Yeah. They were supposed to put in a certain dollar amount, a certain percentage of overall cost, uh, and most of that additional cost because of that shortfall is falling on student. Um, and the county to make up the difference so this sure. is a positive development um, some of the, the other issues is the child care on different campuses building it in so it makes it easier for students to get to campuses um, and there's also the the tuition benefit that they're providing for people under a certain income that you can go to college or university uh, for free basically for tuition. So, and, and that's now going to be expanded for part-time students as well Yeah, which is a big issue for community colleges because we have a lot of our students are part-time in the community college Because they're working regular jobs and building their skills part-time So hopefully all
1: these initiatives will help increase enrollment in community colleges We still have a lot of work to do on this issue for example Uh, we have advocated for years that the fashion institute of technology which is a school down in new york city it's not really a community college because you can go and get a master's degree there and your bachelor's degree but counties are paying very high chargeback rates for that facility that should be treated as a regular suny or CUNY school not as a community college so that's something that we continue to to make um, as a priority in the higher education space but just to talk briefly, you know, I, I wanna highlight two other critical areas for counties, transportation and infrastructure and veterans. Both of these areas have significant investments in this year's budget. On the transportation side, something that we've been advocating for um, has been an increase in the CHIP's bidding threshold. So what that means is right now, if you have a road project, maybe you're resurfacing a, a road, or you're rehabilitating a road, if it's under $350,000, you can do it in-house with your own workforce. If it's over that, you have to go out and bid for that project. The bidding threshold increase would allow you to go up to $750,000. So that would actually stretch that CHIPS money a little bit further for counties, allowing you to do more projects because it's cheaper for you to use in-house labor than have to farm that out. Something we support, something we hope the legislature will uh, will, will support and continue in the enacted budget as well. There's also uh, an expansion in highway and bridge funding to include a new Pave Our Potholes program. There's about $100 million in there for local governments. We'll see how the state is going to set up what that formula looks like. We don't know yet. Uh, But that will come out as long as it's included in the enacted budget. And then there's another $100 million for a new program called Touring Routes. So again, we have to see how that's going to flow, but we're potentially looking at a $200 million increase. I also want to mention that your CHIPS base aid run is remaining the same as last year. And we should note that that's on top of a $150 million increase from the prior year. So that's good news. Extreme weather at $100 million is in this budget. That was an increase last year, that continues. And bridge and pave New York funding are also back in this budget. So there's a lot of money coming in on on the state side to transportation
2: and infrastructure, all good things for counties. I just wanna add a little something on the transportation side. What we're seeing here too in the financial plan is a huge injection of federal money Uh, related to the bipartisan transportation bill that passed Congress last year. Uh, They added a trillion uh, dollars in spending to that bill. There's 600 million in new spending. A lot of that is coming down to New York. And what it's allowing is the state to pay cash for a lot of these projects. There's a ton of transit money. Any county that's involved that has a transit system, this is more pertains to downstate where they have bus and rail transit that they deal with. The operating aid from the state is increasing by almost 40%. It's a huge increase. Some of that is probably linked to the federal money that came in because there's a lot of transit aid. But even upstate, you've got capital district, transit authority, Um, there's a $2 million increase there to extend service out into Montgomery County. That'll be a great benefit for the folks out in Montgomery. But Rochester, Niagara Frontier, Central New York, all have transit programs. They're all gonna see big increases uh, and those are huge. Benefits for the county and people that live in those regions. So, some of that federal money is trickling down uh, and it's having a positive impact, and we're seeing it now in this budget. Yeah, that, that's
1: a great point, Dave. And on the veteran front, something that we're really excited about as you may recall, this past fall, NISAC launched a new initiative. It was called Operation Greenlight. And Operation Greenlight was more than just changing a light bulb to green to highlight the service of our veterans. Operation Greenlight really was the kickoff to a campaign to advocate for increasing aid, increasing services, uh, and, and directing an infusion of resources back to the local level so we can connect veterans to the benefits that the federal benefits that they're entitled to under federal law and help support, retain, and attract new veterans to our counties. We have some huge bases. Uh, very large veteran populations in upstate New York, particularly Jefferson County, always comes to mind. We should be looking at ways, how do we keep those people in our state? And the governor has listened to NISAC, has listened to the counties, and has directed um, a a significant increase in county veteran service agency aid, increasing that base aid from 10,000 to 25,000. She has included another $8 million to expand the Joseph P. Dwyer program statewide. So every county in the state of New York will receive at least $100,000 for the Joseph P. Dwyer program. It's a huge win for counties, and um, we just wanted to highlight that. So, you know, in, in just to summarize everything that we've talked about today for our county officials, there's a lot of information that we've shared. There's a lot more that you can read about and understand. We have two documents that are on NYSAC's website. It's the Executive Budget Impact Report and our Executive Budget Scorecard. The Scorecard is a two-page document. It really shows you the good things, the bad things, and everything else in between. Our impact report goes into a little bit more detail. If you have um, a question about something that we have on the Scorecard, and you're trying to figure out, well, what does that really mean? The impact report fleshes that out a little bit. It also includes references to the 15 budget bills and memos that are published annually by the Division of Budget um, and submitted to the legislature for consideration. So if if you want to go a little farther, you can go straight to that link as well and and get that information. So again, thank you for listening to today's uh, Budget Impact Accounting Perspective uh, Report. Uh, We we look forward to seeing you again soon. And of course, your team, uh, both Dave, myself, Pat, and everyone else at NISAC are always accessible should you have any other questions. Thanks again.
0: for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations Podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.